welcome to the Win All Day Every Day podcast presented by Prairie Hockey Academy. Super excited to uh, be presenting our podcast on a regular basis. This is our 17th episode. We uh, want to continue to be just the conversations around the ta- the dining room table. We want to just bring common sense to the sport of hockey. We want to talk about relevant topics. And today's show is all about questions that we've gathered from parents and you know pl- players from our academy, from the sporting world that continue to come in and they're just lobbing questions at us. And so we thought we'd take some time out today um, to to talk about some of those questions. So my name is Barrett Crop. I'm the co-host of the show with Justin Simpkins across the table from me. And uh, Justin, how has your week been? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's been a good week. The snow all melted, and it's been nice weather uh, <laughs> for November. It's it's been pretty neat. So we are we're here. This is fun to do this, right? Yeah. I mean, having having listeners now start to send in questions to our podcast. You know, sixteen episodes in, I guess that uh, starts to happen. I mean, that's nice yep. to hear. And so take the time today to answer some questions. Yeah, and we'll kick things off right away because uh, right now going on across Saskatchewan and across all the other provinces um, in the West, anyhow, um, each provincial association. So for us here in Saskatchewan, that's Hockey Sask. And um, they have their Sask First program and they're, it's it's really the gateway. It's the pathway to the national team, really. Mm-hmm. When you're trying out for one of your eight zones in the province, you're legit trying out for Team Canada. And if you want to boil it down to the simplest form, because you can't get to uh, the provincial team without right. trying out for your zone team. And you can't get to team West without trying out and being on team Sask. And then obviously and from there, there right? Yeah, so right. the world juniors is a little bit different. Like obviously that's, that, that's yep. picked from your, your Western league and junior A programs, but um, anything else, especially on the female side, if you don't make your zone team to your provincial team, you, you don't get a crack at it. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, the one question that I continue to get from parents is, is the, is Sask first worth it? Like it's, it's time. It's a, we you know, thought maybe it was a weekend off from playing with academy or minor hockey, but you know, is it, is it worth us going to a small town to have another weekend of hockey? And my answer always is absolutely yes. Right. Multiple reasons, mm-hmm. right? Like there's, there's lots of reasons where a lot of, especially at the U15 level, um, these guys have, and girls have never had a, they've never gone to a junior hockey camp. Right. This is like, it, it's like a baby step, right? And, and it gets them into a camp environment where there's people watching, evaluating the performance and then gives them a, some feedback as well, right? Yeah, right. It's, it's not just a, a, a one-sided affair. Yeah, and I think that chance to to quickly pick up and, and play with new teammates, right? And having that ability to just contribute uh, quickly while you're being evaluated. Yeah, right. It's not sure. You didn't get the practice with that team, you show up, you get assigned a team. Yeah. You learn who they are in the dressing room. So, you know, in a way, it's those interpersonal skills as well to quickly introduce yourself, figure out who you are, understand who your coach is, what, what's expected, and then go play the game and have fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so just for our listeners out there, how in Saskatchewan it works, and, and it would be replicated across each province. Um, so in Saskatchewan, on the female side of it, there's U15 uh, tryouts, or sorry, U16 for females, um, and then a U18 program. Uh, at the U18 level... Uh, when you try out for that, when you make your provincial team, the Team Sask, then you go to the national championships, which ironically just finished last weekend up in Dawson Creek. Um, and then in terms of uh, on the male side of it, there's U15. And when you make your U15, you compete in the WHL Cup. Um, and Sask just competed in that and won a bronze medal this last couple of weeks ago. Um, and then you also have your U8, U18 male for the males, yep. program. 
And it continues on on the development. You have uh, a SAS first program for refs. They, they use these events as a development model for the refs to go and attend and officiate at those events. They also have a, a SAS first para. So there's a provincial team that you would then go to the national championships on the sledge hockey side of it. And then there's one more step that they've added, you know, on the female side to help develop at a younger age group, a U13, they call it uh, female futures. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of programming that Sask Hockey takes place and, and initiates um, for your, your, your sons and daughters out there. And for us to sort of sit back and be like, well, that's just for the elites and well, my kid will never have a chance and, and whatnot. I think they're, they're brilliant segue to that next level, whatever your son or daughter wants to get out of the game of hockey. Like you said, the, the social skills that they're going to get from playing with student athletes from across the province is awesome. They develop right. lifelong friendships from that. Then when they get the chance to maybe make their zone team to go to the provincial tournament, um, they're going to be in front of more people, more scouts to get evaluated. Yeah. And if they don't make it as, you know, in the, say, for example, the female U18 team, if they don't make it as a 14-year-old, well, they've still got three more years to keep trying and they learn from that year after year. Right. Yeah. I think... I, I oftentimes get questions about, you know, the U15 one makes lots of sense to everybody, right? Draft year, things like this, lots of valuation. And then sometimes they ask, you know, what, but why U18? Why would I go to the U18 for the male side? And, you know, I can, my experience at the U18, I, I had a great experience. Right? I was playing U18 AA hockey, had this chance to, you know, we went to SAS first, um, made my zone team. And then at the zone team, you know, we had a, we had a weekend, our zone team, we were the maroon. I don't remember what zone we were. We wore a maroon jersey, but we, uh, we won the championship. And in that, in that weekend, it was a, it was a pile of fun. And, and for me, I was a late bloomer in that sense. And I know I, I went up and forth, up and down between forward and defenseman and made the zone team as a defenseman, had a couple injuries. They asked me to play some forward. They knew that, so the coach did. So I played some forward and just crashed and banged. And I remember it was an opportunity where, I mean, coming out of that, I was listed by the LaRange Ice Wolves. And it was just this, uh, you know, that event allowed me to showcase some of my versatility forward and defense and, and you know, get recognized in that way too. So I, I just think same thing, right? Same reasons, the interpersonal, the ability to jump in, compete on a team, be evaluated. So it's not new to you when you go to a junior camp, like you said already, Barrett. And, um, and at the same time, just go have fun and play the game of hockey for a weekend in a tournament style event is always a fun time too. Right. And I think the other element on that U18 part of it from the, on the male side is uh, the attrition factor, right? Like mm -hmm. at the U15 level, the best of the best like the, the, the future first round WHL picks and the future first round NHL picks are typically in that WHL cup. Right. Right. That's right. Um, so if you're, if you're trying to make that as a U15 player and, and you're up against some like really hot shot stud, that's been that good yeah. since, you know, knee high right. grasshopper. Yes. I did not make my U15 zone team. If that's what you're asking. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just saying that it, <laughs> yeah. the, the attrition part of it is yeah. now that, now that the U18 level those those stud first round players aren't they're not in the mix anymore. Right. right? They're on with the right. Western League teams. And so now if you've stayed with it, you've learned some lessons from, you know, maybe not making it as mm -hmm. on that U fifteen program and you continue to work hard and develop, had great practice habits that we're gonna talk about and have good body language that we're gonna talk about shortly. And you developed as a player, now you get that chance to continue to showcase yourself to Western League teams and junior A programs. Right. right. Like it's it's it just sort of one of those things that if you stick with it long enough, you're going to continue to develop while other people give up and, and don't be part of it. Yeah, that's good. Um, the other question, well, not the other, we've got a list of them. We're not going to get through them all today. Maybe yeah. in a, another few weeks, we'll, we'll go back over the list of questions that we got. But one of the questions, um, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as a coach, 
right? Where I, I, you know, player asks, you know, what can I do to get better coach? And I'll say, well, you just got to have better practice habits. <laughs> and, and I, you know, leave yeah. it at that. Yeah. And so the one of the questions that we got this week was what are like, when you talk practice habits, coach, what, what do I need mm. to do? Like, what are some good practice habits? Yeah. And so what are some things that you would say in your career that you found to be great practice habits that need to be all the time, not just part-time? Yeah. You know, I mean, Bear, there's things I learned in my career just on my own and did, but I don't know if I ever had a coach who was intentional to tell me either growing mm-hmm. up. I think uh, Scott King, who who you know works with us with the Academy, is our director of player development. He's really good at this. And I remember, you know, meeting with our coaches, he, he created a bit of a cue card uh, just to talk about what practice habits are and just to say like, hey, like we got to, you know, his, his job in the Western League, he realizes at the Western Hockey League level, even that he used to tell guys about their practice habits and you get these dull looks and we're talking, you know, some you know, top end players now in the Western Hockey League. And he just said, you have to remind them every single day at this age. It's, it's no different than raising a young son in your home. Like you're, you're reminding them to push their chair in or maybe take their plate away from the table. He said, these are habits that you have to stay daily, stay on. And, um, I think practice habits are everything that you know, that, you know, helps you develop your game. So if you're a defenseman, and you're doing a breakout drill and the coach is dumping in the puck. A practice habit is a habit that you need to have for every single time you go to retrieve a puck. And that is even in practice, even when you don't have a four checker, you have to practice shoulder checking to pick up that puck. Right. That's a practice habit. You learn that there in that practice, um, you know, pucks on net, um, you know, hitting the net with your shots. I mean, I kind of used to talk about this a bit too with my players just to reframe it a little going, you know, your job at the start when you have these these flow drills and there's no screeners or anything, you're just putting the puck on the goalie, at the start is to serve your goalie by warming him up. So you're shooting as hard as you can, maybe at his pillows, at his right. pads, right? Because yeah. you're serving your goalie to help him feel the puck quickly to warm him up. And then after that, you're practicing scoring. So you're shooting with intent to score every time you shoot the puck because you're practicing your shot, you're practicing your location. Yeah. Um, so it's just, you know, hitting the net. I mean, there's there's a whole list of them, right? There's... Uh, stopping on the net. This is a really big one at every mm-hmm. age, but we, we work on this still today at the academy. At each practice, it's like, let's stop on the net, right, for that rebound idea. Yeah. Pucks, how many times do we miss a puck in practice yeah. uh, on a pass or something, and we kind of have maybe a bad body language for half a second, then we realize there's a whole pile. You know, I've got a pile of pucks over here. Actually, oh, thank goodness, I can just do a little turn, pick up a puck, and I can still get my shot on the net. But this doesn't happen in a game. So these are practice habits. Again, same idea where it's one puck in that drill, you miss that pass, you chase it down. Right. Um, you might miss your chance to take a shot that practice, but chase that puck down, right? Yeah. And these are practice habits that that lead to good habits in a game. And I think that's what we mean when we say that as coaches. Right. And I know we've even tried to elevate some of those practice habits to the next level too, right? So yeah. it's a shoulder check for that D-man going back um, to retrieve the puck, but it's also then needing to find deception in your game, mm-hmm. right? So that... When the four checker, like the game today is, hasn't changed much in the sense that you got to put the pucks deep, get the D-man turning so you can go and retrieve it. So as a defenseman, you got to be able to shake that four checker off. So when you're going in to retrieve that puck, do you do a stick wave, you know, over top of it to be a little bit deceptive? Do you get your feet moving bi-directionally so that you can, you know, fake like your boots are going one direction, but you're going to take the puck in the other? So there's just some of those little practice habits that if you're not doing it in practice, you're never going to do it in a game. Mm-hmm. And really those are... Again, we're going to talk about scouting here shortly as well. And some some of those little marginal things, like being more deceptive in your game, yeah. are going to help you you know, get to that next level and get eyeballs because they'll know, oh, this kid's well-coached or this guy's right. got great practice habits. Yeah, and we all know this, right? Kale McCard wasn't born with deception. 
right? Right. He, uh, <laughs> he, he practiced this somewhere and got better at it and he put his time in. Um, and so that's awesome addition in those practice habits. Like let's, let's practice this at each practice. Yeah. Uh, so that we develop it so we can use, start using it in a game. Yeah. yeah. Another one that I get, you know, it's, it's sort of, I mean, you see the top players in the world sauce pass in certain situations, like, you know, it's a two on one and the D man's doing a slide and yeah. you gotta get over the stick or the body and, you know, mm -hmm. you plant it right perfectly on the tape and it makes the highlight reel. Um, when players are doing it all over the ice, man, it's just turnover city. And so, um, it, it, it's gotta be zipped. It's gotta be hard. It's gotta be crisp on the, on the ice, on the tape. And because if we're not, if we're just, we think that we can just be cool and have what the kids now call sty by chucking sauce, you know, I'm using all this, <laughs> this language right now, but, yeah. um, your, your teammates are going to get bad habits of picking up sauce passes. And sure. so when it comes time to really move with pace and, and put the yeah. puck on that tape that blows up. They yeah. can't handle it, right? So it's not just you having a bad habit. You're forcing a bad habit on your yeah. teammates by chucking sauce. Yeah, it, and it does. And it honestly, it sometimes can create um, you know a little bit of frustration amongst your teammates, even in practice. And but yeah, you're a good point. You're, these are the things that have to in practice. You need to you need to do this. So yeah. I think at times as coaches, we get guilty on this idea of um, you know guys, we have to have better practice habits today. Mm -hmm. And instead of just saying like let's focus on three things, the other thing we have to remember is for any young coaches that might be listening. A big piece that I've learned from a mentor in my life on coaching is our, our young athletes can't remember five or six things. Mm -hmm. It's like, what are the two or three things that you want them to focus on for practice habits today? Yeah. You know, Dave King would talk lots about pre-icing the youngsters is how he would say it, right? We got to go pre-ice these youngsters. And he would talk about that. He'd lay out a few things we need to focus on. So it might say, you know, today we're going to focus on our practice habits again, guys. And that means that uh, we're going to stop on the net on mm -hmm. every drill. Um, we're going to chase down that individual puck. Uh, we're going to talk lots today because we have, we've been struggling with that in our game. We're not talking much. So in practice, we're really going to focus on talking. We're going to bring that back in as one of our habits here in practice. And, and another way to do that, if you're a young coach is when you drop a drill, remember your key takeaways for that drill. Mm -hmm. You always have that practice plan. You draw it up and you say, remember our practice habits in this drill, guys, this is one we have to stop in the net every single time. Right. right? We're shooting with intention. We're stopping on the net or this one. We got to talk lots, right? Yeah. Yeah. These are the pieces you can bring back in to really, as a coach, help your young athletes understand what you mean by those habits. For sure. And I think maybe one other, you know, good practice habit is getting in the habit of competing hard in practice, right? right. Sometimes you yep. just think I'm out here to, to work on my longer stride yeah. or to work on yeah. making sure I get <laughs> pucks on net. And we forget that there's so much, like a lot of the drills today um, are small area game drills. Yeah. Um, but they're small area game drills because we want you to get used of time and space and how to operate in that shortened, shortened window, um, how to play quick, how to play fast, um, and, and move the puck offensively and also be able to defend That's right. you know, properly. But we sometimes we just do it softly. Mm -hmm. right? And at, every practice is our opportunity to help make our teammates better. 100%. This is why that Allen Iverson clip of you're talking about practice. <laughs> We're talking about practice, right? And for those that don't know what I mean, go on YouTube and type in Allen Iverson practice and, and you'll yeah. have a really good laugh. But he's like, how am I supposed to make my teammates better at practice? Right. And, yeah. and he just didn't get it. Yeah. Um, but what you're saying is uh, exactly how we make our teammates better and our team better. Right. Yeah. This kind of segues into the next question, um, you know, because we, we do talk to our athletes at Prairie Hockey Academy about making sure they're well prepared, you know, going into a game or even into a practice, that they're they're doing things the right way, that they will be able to get noticed, right? So mm -hmm. um, 
we talk to them a lot about body language because some come with really bad body language and others maybe acquire it because they see other people getting away with right. bad body language. So, um, you know, I, I've, I've been out of the game far too long to remember as a player what bad body language was like, but I do know as a coach what <laughs> is bad body language. Yeah. Um, what are some things for yourself that you would remember maybe from your day or that you see in players today that you'd be like, man, that kid's got to yeah. clean that part of his game up? Yeah, it's easy, right? When we're that balcony perspective, when we're sitting up high in the stands watching, yeah. it's really easy for us to be, man, that kid's got to clean that up. Right. Um, we can see it so clearly. And and it's tough when you see a, you know a, a skilled athlete out there uh, who's who's competing but is really self-serving in so many ways and he might make a pass and his teammate may not catch it or anything and just throws up his arms or slams his stick or different pieces and that's really easy for a scout to pick up and i think what we don't want to do as athletes is make it really easy for a scout to cross our name off a list mm. um, and by doing stuff like that we make it easy for them to do that and i think uh that's a big piece for me right? and you know our guests, you know, across the, you know, maybe your listeners haven't listened to all the podcasts and that's okay, but Scott Barney talked lots about this. It was his number one thing. Yeah. Number one thing going into a junior camp was body language and how his players were going to respond to any adversity. Dave King talked about it, talked about this idea of adversity and being able to serve your teammates in it and work through it. Adrian Valaka, one of our first episodes in Gary Roberts, high performance training, talked about training, you know, Connor McDavid and Connor Bedard and Stamkos and these guys and one of the guys on the ice slamming his stick or having a, and he went and gave it to him right. afterwards. Like, Hey, like, listen, you make $7 million a year. Yeah. You're an assistant captain in the NHL and you're acting like a child with your body language and what you're, how you're acting out here and I had to call him out on it. Cause we all struggle with it. Mm -hmm. We allow our emotions to get the best of us, but it's becoming self-aware. Right. And for those young athletes, it's, it's that stuff. It's slamming your stick. It's throwing your arms up. It's hanging your head. It's coming back to the bench, mm -hmm. you know, slowly. Cause it's like we want people to see us that we're upset with ourselves, <laughs> so that we can justify that what we did wasn't okay. Right. And it's the opposite of yeah. what we really want people to see. We want right. people to we want people to be able to see that we're mentally strong. Yep. And that the scouts see that we're resilient, and we can talk to ourselves and say, "Hey, we'll get out of the next shift." Right. Yeah. And there, there, that accountability is big, right? Like when a player hustles to the bench after, you know, they do make a mistake instead of slamming their stick or throwing their head back, they hustle back. Yeah. You maybe see them engage with the coach, whether the coach has gone to them or they turn to the coach and they're like, hey, coach, like there's some ownership of the mistake. Um, yeah. Those are all important pieces that a kid has to learn. And, you know, whether it's on the male side or female side, they have to learn to be accountable for the mistakes, be able to sit on the bench, park it, and then be committed to not going and repeating the same mistake over again, right? right. And and that's that mental toughness. It it takes some, yeah. You, you gotta you gotta go through it a little bit. But you know, yep. uh, I love it when I see even teammates hold each other accountable on a bench and be like, hey, like that that's not acceptable. Right. Or in the case that you said, you know, where a trainer pulled a a, a legit star to the side and said, hey, <laughs> yeah, that, you know, there's other young guys out here, and it's also not good for your game either. You gotta mentally, you gotta be able to turn the page on that. Yeah. And that's a big piece of it. I think this whole mental side is, you know, there's the scouts that might be watching, maybe the evaluators, your own coach, and he has to make a decision or she has to make a decision on if you can recover quick enough to go on the ice for the next big shift. Maybe it's a power play all of a sudden, yeah. but you're over here slamming your stick or hanging your head and likely talking to yourself mm -hmm. uh, or maybe not talking to yourself, probably likely listening to yourself, right? Listen to yourself, tell yourself that you're not very good, that, you know, whatever things you might be saying, which were probably really damaging. Yeah. And your coach now has to make a decision if you're mentally ready to, to quickly hit reset and jump on the ice for this 
big moment maybe in the game. Yeah. Um, and so th- there's lots of things there that mentally we can do some damage to ourselves that can take us a couple shifts to recover from. And I think that's this habit that we talk about lots in our mental strength classes of learning how to talk to yourself instead of listen to yourself. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. And I think that for me as a coach, one of the things that I see often that a player does is they're on a offensive attack, you know, whether it's a one-on-one, two-on-two, whatever yeah. they they've come in through the neutral zone with numbers and the opposition has a great gap. They turn the puck over, and the player, A, doesn't stop on puck, so it's a bad habit. He does a big curl. The head wags back. And then his effort on the back check is non-existent. Right. And and there's there's a, <laughs> there's a three things that just has broken down from a body language and practice habit that, for me, I don't know now if I can trust that player in the next hard situation yeah. to get back out there, never mind what the scouts are looking for in the on the bench. What I want to see is, Recognize, okay, they poke checked. I put the brakes on. I'm now hustling back in the other direction. My head's down. I'm looking for that stick to get backside pressure. When that's not happening, I'm screaming and yelling as the, the, the player, my body language to my teammates is screaming and yelling that I'm not committed to being the best for you as a teammate. Right. Yeah, definitely loose bucks and ice bags, right? <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> as Dave King mentioned, I think probably one of the best ways to explain that is is Dave's theory on decisions versus choices, right? Decisions are what we make with our head. We, yep. We've learned these skills and how to break out and cut through the middle and call for a pass, but choices now become, if I'm going to stop on that puck, these habits, right? Yeah. If I'm going to stop on the puck, if I'm going to hustle back because it's hard work, mm-hmm. um, if I'm going to get in a shot lane, these types of things. So yeah, you're, you're right. And it, it does scream to your teammates too. Yeah, yep. for sure. Speaking of screaming to people, um, not coaches to players, but uh, your performance on the ice to scouts. Sure. Um, yeah. A lot of questions. We were just a few weeks ago at the Graham Tour tournament in Regina. It's the largest U15 tournament in Western Canada, 32 teams. Um, you know, at rough guesstimate, I, I put the number around 200 scouts there from major junior to junior A. and. Right. Triple A and you name it, like there was right. yeah. every those, every yeah. second person had a notebook. If it wasn't a parent, it was a scout, and um, a lot of pressure on young athletes to perform in the midst of all that. Um, but the question that I get from parents and players as you're riding the bench or just kind of visiting in the lobby is, what actually are the scouts doing? Like, what is their job? Hmm. And you know, we we see lots of different movies, and we maybe have this perception for what our parents think a scout does or is. Um, but let's, let's just unpack that quickly for our listeners. Sure. What, like, what is the job of a scout? Yeah. I mean, I should have looked up the definition of scout, <laughs> scouting, right? Crop scouting, things <laughs> like that, like anything in the scout, what that means. But yeah. I mean, I really, a, a scout's paid to identify talent, right? Uh, identify players who can take their game to the next level. Um, you're talking about talent, you're talking about potential, about work ethic habits you know they might break it down scouts sometimes scouts do it differently too they might talk about you know your skating and your shooting and your puck counting ability and your defensive awareness and offensive awareness and they might rate you in these categories um, from that game mm-hmm. and ideally they'd want to have a, v, a few if not more um, games that they've watched of, of each of these players to see you know if someone just had a bad game or if someone just had a fluky game and a lucky one or if it's a consistent thing that they see. Right. Uh, you know, my dad scouted for eight years in the Western Hockey League for the Prince Albert Raiders when I was a child growing up. And I remember spending hours on the road with him and in some cold rinks as a young guy. And 
And I remember that they would scout Sask first for sure and other events. And um, he would, at times where when he had identified a, a player that he liked, he would watch him numerous times, probably eight to 10 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd been to a practice before with my dad, watch the practice when he was really serious about somebody. He would call in his head scout. Uh, he'd do enough convincing, the head scout would come down and they'd watch a couple games together over a weekend of this player as well. And so they'd get multiple eyes on it to see if what he was seeing made sense as well. And and they'd start to do other things after. They'd mm-hmm. make phone calls. These scouts, I mean, today they're calling schools. Mm-hmm. They're calling, you know, parents. They're calling old coaches. They're doing what they can to learn as much about that athlete as they possibly can before they make a decision to draft them and begin investing in their development, right? Right. And I think a lot of it part comes into play where they're, they're looking also then for those intangibles, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's there's so many tools, like anything in life, we've advanced in so yeah. many different ways, right? Roger Nielsen used to be called Captain Video because he started using VCRs to record games and break them down yeah. clip by clip. Well, now we've got, we've talked about this on the podcast before, we've got Instat and other tools that instantly a scout can just actually stay at home right. and watch every game of every U15 to U18 player, call up every face-off that he's ever had in the offensive zone in a third period of a losing game. Yep. And watch that clip instantly on his computer, sitting in front of the TV watching Monday Night Football. But you don't find there the intangibles, right? Mm-hmm. And so scouts are coming out to see what is a player's body language, That's and right. what are his habits. What are you know has away his practice habits away from yeah. the puck? What is it on the bench because the camera's not showing the bench? Is there interaction? How are his teammates after a goal? Do they celebrate together? Do they? do a flyby on their own. Like there's all these little intangibles that tell me a lot about that individual player that even in a warm-up, I can see things that a player's preparation in a five or seven minute warm-up that I'm not going to see in a game. Yeah. And so for me as a scout, getting to a game early and staying late, when even when a game is 11 nothing, I want to see the, the team that's winning 11 nothing. are they still playing the same way when it was 0-0? Is that defenseman still have the gap or is he now taking all kinds of risks? And the same thing on the flip side, when the team's losing by that much, is the kid still blocking a shot in the third period, mm-hmm. right? When it, yeah. when the, the score's out of control, it, it, is that kid still blocking a shot? Because I, I need a shot blocker. And, right. uh, you know, those the, that player actually was continuing to do that. Yeah. I think, you know, Lauren Mollican was on our podcast a few episodes ago and he talked about you know, even this idea of what scouts at that next level, especially the Western Hockey League and, and the NHL where he coached, but 16 years as the WHL head coach and general manager and what are they looking for? And it's it's pretty easy to identify the skill. Mm-hmm. Um, Sass first, you're going to pick out who the top skill guys are pretty quickly. Right. But it's that it's that character piece that, that you're looking for that he mentioned on our podcast that I think the intangibles, a lot of those can be woven up into that term character because they, they all speak to that character of, you know, the compete level and are you going to do what you need to do to serve your teammates? Are you going to block a shot even though it's late in the third? Yeah. Um, these things all kind of come together. Yeah. So moving into the two final segments of the podcast that we've had, you know, the, the guide provide advice for players. I think we've provided a lot, right, in terms of making sure your practice habits are yeah. drilled down making sure that, you know, your body language is, is there. Um, for a parent, I guess our advice would be get your kid signed up for SAS Hockey's SAS yeah, First, first program, programs, right? Yeah. It, 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 it's not, uh, it's not a cash grab. It's not a, you know, yep. anything untoward. Like it's a legit program to develop your son and daughter 
and give them exposure to what a, an actual tryout camp is going to be looking like at the mm-hmm. next level. And like you said, also socially, you get a chance to interact with other athletes from across the province. And so that'd be my advice. And, and for, for, for coaches out there, um, the advice I would give is um, <laughs> you're, you're only as good as what you accept, right? Mm-hmm. So your practice habits, your players, you have to hold them accountable on that. Right. I know when, when Scott King comes out for, our, you know, once a week with our guys to do skills practice, he's got one drill. It's cross ice seam pass drill where they come off the wall, they, they do a touch pass with their line and they got to get a cross ice seam pass. And it's, it's a warm up drill. Um, he, if you miss it, if you miss the pass or can't pick it up, he blows it dead, you start it again. And he won't end the drill until the entire team has gone through successfully. Mm. Yeah. And then the rest of practice, the passes are crisp, we're on the tape, players are focused, they're <laughs> dialed in, but it might take us 20 minutes to get through that drill. Right. And, and then the practice flies after that. It's unbelievable to see. You know, it'd be really fascinating to me and maybe, I guess I can't give you the answer today. I said we should put a poll up on our podcast, but you know, probably the skill that's lacking the very most in U15 prep hockey, even up to U18 prep hockey is passing. Right. It still is. Yeah. It's still the number one thing. I mean, when, when our passes are crisp, the the puck moves so fast and the game moves so quickly when passes are crisp and they're tape to tape, power plays are effective breakouts are effective in fact if you don't fumble the puck and you make crisp passes you, no one probably scores on you actually <laughs> they score because we turn over pucks right, right? it's uh yeah. it's, so it's this piece where i think a lot of young coaches we feel like we don't want to spend time on these passing drills mm-hmm. but it's actually the probably the most important aspect of your game right yeah, yeah. well put uh we'll wrap up with a grandpa b story time um you know the Coaching at the university level for as, as long as I had, um, I always found it really interesting to be at that point where I'm I'm going to say a showcase, the SJHL showcase, for example, um, and I want to be able to like I'm I'm looking for the best player to fill the needs that I've that that I need on, on my, my roster, team. yeah. Um, and at the same time, uh, the players are out there; they want to get noticed. They want to be exposed to you know these scouts, and and this relationship of like. You serve as a scout or as a head coach, you're a little bit nervous, like, oh, hopefully this kid would want to come to my program. And as you meet with them in the hallway, it's sort of like the player's sort of like, well, do I have the upper hand here? Can I ask him for some extra money? And I'm sitting there thinking, well, do I do I have, like, how much can I offer this player? Like, it's just <laughs> this back and forth of uh, yeah. mental gymnastics that you go through in the scouting part hmm. of it, right? Is, is you know, does this player going to fit my brand? And does his brand align with mine? Hmm. And uh, I was at a showcase uh, the SJHL showcase up in North of Saskatoon a few years ago. And we didn't have a whole lot of turnover that year. And one area that we needed was a guy that was going to be a shot blocking penalty killer. And, you know, it almost seemed like, oh, those would be easy to find, but they're not. <laughs> right. And went through the whole showcase and the, and the Melville Millionaires had played on the Friday and then didn't play until the, the Monday morning. So they went home. And so I didn't get a chance to really even engage with their coach or anything else. Um, but I purposely booked my flight home on Sunday afternoon because I wanted to watch the last two games of the showcase on that Sunday morning. And uh, I, I tend to enjoy standing at ice level because I can see some of those intangibles. I can see body language. I can see facial expressions. I can see if they're communicating. And uh, it was getting to the end of the game, and Melville was down on a five-on-three. They were they're up in the game, but they were in a five-on-three situation. And, uh, and their captain was at the top of the diamond. He slid across with his face first. Didn't get it in the face, thankfully, but he blocked the shot with his chest. 
um, got the puck out and Melville won the game. Mm-hmm. And who do you think it went to talk to? Yeah. Right. right. Their captain, yeah. Aiden Stanky. Um, I, I waited. I mean, he was, you know, they, they came out to the bus and I, I, I met, met with them and, and basically on the spot said, I've got a spot and I want to offer it to you. Hmm. Fast forward, he's now in his third year at playing at U Sport. And he'll even tell you this. I'm not telling you stories or secrets out of school here, but he, he knows he's not the fastest dude on the ice. He yep. knows he's small. He's probably the smallest guy in Canada West. Hmm. Um, he knows he doesn't have the hardest shot, but he's got hands down the best work ethic and he will eat pucks. Like he's a, he's oh. a block shot monster. Yeah. And so uh, a few weekends ago, we happened to be playing at a showcase with our U15 team in Winnipeg. And yep. it so happened that Trinity Western was also playing U of M Bisons. A really good showcase game between two can't top, not top, but like really good Can West teams. And uh, we we went to the game, took the boys to it to watch because it's the best hidden secret in hockey. Can West yeah. hockey is is it's his biggest secret in the game. Really good hockey, filled with lots of American League and East Coast guys back and forth from those leagues to the, to play new sport hockey. And uh, and it was three two. Trinity Western was up with. Yeah. With 30 seconds left to go, and who do you think was on the ice? Yeah, 100%. Right? And, and what did he do? He, he ate two shots, like bombs from the, the, the point. It was They pulled the goalie, so it was actually a six on four because the attorney had a penalty. And it came across the top, back over to the, the flank. The guy thought he was super deceptive with the shot. And uh, the defender came out, Fuller comes out to front that and realizes. So he, in the last second, slides it back up top. And Aiden read it perfectly and dropped, flopped his body in front of it, ate it. Rolled a little bit, but puck got out. Trinity won the game. And afterwards, we went down to talk to the coaching staff at Trinity Western. And we both smiled because we knew what we were going to be both talking about. And uh, and Ben Walter, who's the head coach, um, said, look, I I can't take Aiden out. I know he's not our best player, but he I can't take him out of the game because yeah. of plays like that. Right? Yeah. So. It's it just one of those things where we've talked today a lot about having good body language, having good practice habits. And sometimes you wonder, well, do scouts really look for those type of things? And does it really pay off in the end? Well, I just shared with you a story of a kid that probably wasn't going to get a chance anywhere if he didn't right. do those intangibles, right. Yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. That's uh, it's great to hear about Aiden. And those are, we, you know, we there's lots of those stories that we could talk about. And I think, you know, every every young listener could just take a look at their favorite NHL team. Mm. And uh, who's the who's the player on that team that might be a fourth liner but seems to get a contract every year and keep coming back? And, and ask yourself why. Right. And just watch when he's on the ice, what does he do that's so different? Yeah. And what role does he fill? And I, and I think it's probably a lot of those intangibles. And, um, you know, that helped. He was probably a star player in the Western Hockey League, but he had these intangibles. Maybe he wasn't as fast or as good, uh, but he's able to play in the NHL yeah. doing that stuff. So yeah, for sure. It's really good. I appreciate today. I think I hope, you know, for the young athletes, we could send them back with some ideas, those practice habits, but then young coaches just to really, really clear on talking about what practice habits are Yeah. Uh, to, to give that clarity. And, and then just on the whole body language side, I just think to close that up, I think you mentioned warmups. And I think one piece for me with young athletes would just be to recognize that the purpose of the warmup isn't to fix your jersey and to make sure you look good in the, in the glass. You know, if you want to do that kind of stuff, I, I, you know, do that in the dressing room with the mirror first. And because people recognize, like scouts do see that when they're at the game early and mm-hmm. watching it while well, the rest of your team's working hard. I mean, the warm up needs to be a spot where you get a sweat on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to be sweating when you're done it, do some real hard, um, skates and put some effort in because it gets ready for the game. Yeah. 
um, too often to see that look in the look in the glass and adjusting things and making sure we look good that way as opposed to warming up with our teammates. Yeah, for sure. Great. Well, hopefully everyone has been warmed up with our podcast and uh, that you can have a great week. We look forward to having you back again next week. Um, you're listening to the Win All Day Everyday podcast presented by Prairie Hockey Academy. Alongside my co-host, Justin Simpkins, my name is Barrett Kropp, and we're signing off for another week. So catch you next week. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Win All Day Every Day podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would ask that you leave us a five-star review and consider subscribing to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. If you have any comments or questions that you would like us to answer in future episodes, please leave those below. Thank you for your support and have a great day.